It'll be hard to see where this sermon is going from the title to the end, but it'll all fit together in a satisfactory fashion, given that the title is Bring Them to the Party Too. Bring Them to the Party Too. But we can't begin quite there. I'd like to, first of all, look at this gospel reading briefly and see how Jesus handles, if you will, a church problem of his day. In those days, it would have been called a temple problem or a synagogue problem. But he's talking about God's chosen people, the royal priesthood, the Jewish enclave, as they gather as the people of God. That enclave has been displaced in the new covenant by those who know Messiah as the way, the truth, and the life. So imagine Jesus, if he were here today... He's not speaking to Jewish synagogues, but he's speaking to his own body, the body of Christ. And I'm not talking about the church in Africa nor Asia, but the church in the West. And let's be more specific and simply say the church in the United States. I'm talking about all denominations and all non-denominations. And if Jesus took a look at, at the total picture, what would he see in place as the body of Christ? What he said then was this. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. There are pastors, parish leaders, rectors that sit in positions of authority. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you. What he's saying is because what they share is the message of the law. But he says, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. Imagine him saying this to the spiritual leaders of the Christian body in the United States. In fact, he says, they tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders. If you have an opportunity, if you want to get the rest of the bad news, read on through the rest of the chapter when you get home. But I will simply excerpt a few choice tidbits here. He says, you shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. He says, you travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of, a son of hell as you are. He says, you give a tenth of your spices, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, faithfulness. He said, you should have practiced the latter, the 10%, without neglecting the former. You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. You appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Jesus confronts a problem of his day, and he could have used very similar words if he were speaking aloud today to the church in the West. Churches that have become so formal, churches that have become so rigid, churches that have become so strict, churches that have become so boring, churches that have become so irrelevant to everyday life, churches that have become so legalistic, churches that have become so judgmental, churches that have become so neutral and bland, churches that have become so social clubbish. 
Churches that have become so stale. Churches that have become so dead that they turn people off and turn people away. They do a terrible disservice to the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. They do more damage than good. St. Paul Somerville, our vision is to be alive, relevant, exciting, joyful, expectant, passionate about the good news of Jesus, loving in a setting where those who want to grow in the knowledge and love of the Lord and those who want to be in a family and those who want to serve God will find a place of nourishment and hope, a place that they, we can call home with all the meaning of that word to our hearts. Home. Think of our vision, the vision that propels us forward into a future that we would like to see fulfilled. The vision goes like this, at St. Paul's, lives are being transformed as we become a community where everyone falls in love with God, grows as a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, takes the good news of Jesus Christ into our home, our neighborhoods, the workplace, and the world, empowered, we say guided, by the Holy Spirit. Here is a taste of what we have accomplished so far. Today and next week, we want to give two weeks of attention to a very, very important calling. It was 15 months ago that we were handed an impossible assignment to enlarge our territory, to grow this church. We were given an impossible number to achieve in an impossible short amount of time. 1,200 worshipers on a Sunday morning in December of 2011. It seemed difficult enough from the view 15 months ago. 
even more difficult with only a month to go by. But I believe the message behind that is not really that particular number per se, although God gave that to us. But I believe what God was saying to us and trying to get our attention with a specific idea is this. More people are supposed to be here. That's what God was saying. There are more people whom he loves who are out there who are supposed to be inside the body of Christ. I love that image that we get in the reading this morning from the book of Joshua. This is the other story of a parting of a sea. It's not the, it's not the parting of the Red Sea. They have traveled 40 years through the wilderness. They have come up on the east side of Palestine. They're on the eastern side of the Jordan, and the promised land awaits them across the river. And the profundity of this story, or one of the elements of this story that is seemingly profound, is that these waters don't part until there is a stepping into the waters by the leaders of of God's people. And the assurance is given, when you step out, I will be there to make things happen. It almost is as if saying, if they had never stepped out, the seas would have never have parted, and they would have never have entered the promised land. But they had been in the desert for 40 years, learning how it is to be obedient to the Lord. And this time, unlike other times, they were obedient, and they prepared to cross the river, all thousands of them, the leaders, the clergy, everyone, and they stepped into that water, and the water parted as they stepped into it. Well, keep in mind, keep that in mind that while we think of this, we captured an image over 15 months ago to create in our mind's eye an authentic picture of what a person looks like outside the family of God. And we describe them as a person, well, like Kate Winslet in the movie Titanic. And Kate, the heroine of the story who is In the freezing waters of the North Atlantic, the ship has gone down. She is among thousands who are drowning and freezing to death. And those who are safe and secure in the lifeboats, a few have abandoned those who are crying out for help and are leaving them because they say there's not any more room in here. We're not taking anyone. They let them die, except for one boat that turns around and goes back through the waters of the frozen bodies And they hear a whistle blowing. Kate urgently blowing the whistle. And they turn to her and they rescue her out of the freezing waters of the Atlantic. And she lives because she is safe in the lifeboat. So the idea is those apart from Christ, outside the body, are something like Kate Winslet. They're drowning in this culture. They're desperate for something to stand on that is the firm foundation. And they will ultimately die without knowing the loving God as part of their lives. That's an awfully harsh image, on the other hand, because sometimes one has to listen very carefully or look very carefully to realize this person is blowing a whistle too. Sometimes a person themselves doesn't realize that they're blowing a whistle. So it can get real tricky as God sends us out to find them. It's not quite so obvious as Kate Winslet was in that stormy North Atlantic, or in that cold North Atlantic. 
So, brothers and sisters, would you like to have some fun? We've intentionally made some more room for folks to join us. We've added a fourth service. We've created a very dynamic Sunday evening event called Impact Together for Christian Education for All Ages, a family gathering around the supper table. In in addition, we have all that we have been doing in terms of Alpha Ministry and other ministries. We've intentionally made more rooms more room for, for folks, more, uh, more space for folks to join us. Why? Why? Because this is a great place. You heard it and saw it in the video. This is a great place to encounter the living God and the loving God, the merciful God, to travel together as one family, to receive healing for wounds, to exercise a ministry through our own lives. So here's the fun part. How many folks can we successfully invite to come during the next month? Since the Lord gave us a challenge and a task, 1200, December 2011, how many folks can we successfully invite to come during the next month? And how many of us will make a personal commitment to attend worship every Sunday of December to be part of the enlarging of that worship community? And if there's someone in your home who isn't prone or used to coming, to encourage them to come into this life. And let's just give December a particular focus because the Lord gave to us a particular focus to point towards December. Now, when I think of enlarging this church with these extra, the extra service and impact together, I know there's an immediate fear I have, and I suspect some of you have as well. I don't like the fear. I don't even like to admit I have the fear, but I do. And it's stated in a simple sentence. I don't want my church to get too big and impersonal and cold. I don't want to feel like just another number. I know there's another way to understand this, and it is this. And we have succeeded at this thus far. As long as we have dynamic small groups... A church will never feel too big. Somerville has tripled in size from 20,000 to 60,000, and yet many of us still feel we live in a small-town community because of the neighborhood in which we live. The sense of intimacy and warmth and connectedness we have there, whether it's our, our geographical neighborhood or the neighborhood of our friends. And as long as we have neighborhoods, which we call small groups, This church will never feel too big, nor lose its feeling of intimacy, nor lose the sense of we are family, nor feel like a cold church. In fact, the opposite will be the case. And we will have more muscle, manpower, and woman power to exercise ministries and impacting the world to an even greater degree. How does this work? It works by invitation only to the one who is there who's supposed to be here. Let me tell a story on myself because I'm a cradle-born Episcopalian, which makes me a very, very poor evangelist and makes me one not even giving a proper sense of urgency to that until I had some degree of conversion to realize that those out there need what we have here. 
This is mine. Um, Listen to this email I received this past week. It read like this, and I call this the bunting story. Greetings, everyone, the email said. It was sent to everyone of St. Paul's who has attended the Somerville Community Orchestra event a year ago or attended it for the season because we decided as a group that was going there that we'd have a party at someone's house afterwards every time to simply enjoy fellowship. And so we had some wonderful gatherings. Anybody could come. And uh, anybody who was part of St. Paul's who was at that event either got invited there or once you got on the email list, you got invited to every one of the community events. The orchestra will be in here uh, for the first time, which we're excited about uh, in, a, in a month or so. So um, this says, greetings, everyone. The Somerville Community Orchestra opens its season this November 11th. The After the Concert Party, never got a better name than that, will be at our home. Our address is 110 Pine Valley Drive, so on and so forth. Our phone number is so on. If you don't have tickets yet to the concert, you can get them by calling another phone number. Next paragraph. This is the one that warned my heart. As always, keep your eyes and ears open for whistleblowers and feel free to bring them to the party as Mike Lumpkin brought us to the Smith's party last November. Your brother and sister in Christ, and maybe that's the most beautiful part of all, your brother and sister in Christ, Bill and Margaret Bunting, who sit in the midst of their family here this morning with all of you. So I wrote back to Bill and Margaret last week. Bill and Margaret, thank you for this, this Sunday's pre-sermon ad regarding bring them to the party. They sent this email out to a whole bunch of folks. Blessings, Mike. And Bill responded, Margaret, signed by Bill, big caps, and thank you, Mike, for bringing us to the party. And I suspect he had a double meaning in that. It was, yes, the CSO after the concert party, but it was the gathering of the body of Christ. And they've been coming to the party ever since and participating in every way. Or this Alpha Weekend Tyler prayed with thanksgiving for those who were baptized yesterday. One individual, a cradle-born Episcopalian, who decided to impact the world in Jesus' name and look for anyone who might be blowing the whistle and saying, I think they might be interested in more of God. That one individual was responsible for three individuals who were baptized into the body of Christ yesterday at Camp St. Christopher. So... I as one, and him as one, and five people who are brought into the body. Now, what if that was multiplied by all of us having similar success stories? Look at this video. Let this speak to your heart. Villagers with own cell phones, and one with a dial. 
One would be actively telling others about him. Are you willing to be that one? Are you willing to step into the waters of the Jordan in the same way that those Israelites did? Stepping out in faith that God wants to do a mighty climactic conclusion to the year 2011. I hope you are, and I am willing to go with you and do the same. When you leave this morning, I want you to try hard because it may take some effort because there's so many exits out of Door Hall. But we have what I'd like to call reminder cards. They're actually invitation cards to give to someone else has our service times, it has the impact together time, it has a map on the back. And we'd like to give you several of those to take with you to use them actively in the weeks ahead. And if you are a person like me that a lot of my life is spent around people who are part of the body of Christ already, um, who um, either go to this church or go to Bethany or St. John's or Somerville Baptist or whatever, then we have to think a little more creatively It was by sheer accident that I sat down next to Bill and Margaret Bunting at that concert over a year ago, a complete stranger, and he to me and I to him, them to Ellen and me, and uh, Ellen and I to, um, to Margaret and Bill, and just casual conversation that led a little deeper and a little deeper to find out that they were um, de-churched, had moved here a few years before, had formerly worshipped in Episcopal churches, but had not found a church home. And the first step was, well, come to the party tonight. We all gather afterwards and come and meet some of the folks. We'd love to have you. And um, God did the rest. Just takes a little imagination and a little effort. Not my natural working ground as a shy introvert, but something I need to do, needed to do and did for the gospel. Take those reminder cards, which are invitation cards. Think imaginatively about whose hand you are supposed to put that card in and how you might invite them to come into the life of St. Paul's. Bring them in December. Are you with me? Amen.